0: So today we're going to continue in our sermon series entitled Parables. It's kind of a summer series we're doing. We're going to talk about the parable of the sower. And I want us to really, like I prayed, I want us to really think about how we're hearing God's word today. I want our hearts to be soft towards God's word. You know, life can make you hard if you allow it to. You know, it's much easier, and we all know, many of us from greater Boston or Boston itself, Sometimes our responses to life, I'm going to get harder. I'm going to shut people off. I'm going to shut God out. I don't want to hear it anymore. I don't want to be let down again. I don't want to have to deal with this again. I don't want to have to go through this. When we harden our hearts, we lose out on abundant life. When we soften our hearts, God is able to use us as clay. We receive much joy and we're able to be used for his glory and experience the truth of the gospel. So I'm asking you, to be thinking about even how you're going to hear this message today, I'm asking you to have a soft heart, to not be hard toward the things of God. Allow your ears to be open to what the most loving person who ever existed is saying to us today, Jesus. You know, my um, one of my neighbors, the one in front of me to my left, he's from Poland, and uh, the other night I was sharing the gospel with him and talking to him. And as I'm talking with him, he invited me in to see his garden, and I see him working over there sometimes, and I envy that that he has this kind of passion for his garden, because I always love people that have passions for the, for the garden. I don't have it. Like, I buy that tomato plant from Home Depot that already is ready to sprout, and I water it a few times, and I walk in like I've been gardening all month. You guys see my tomatoes, and I put them on the sill. I get ridiculous. I live in a false world but a real gardener. I mean, this dude is out there all the time building all these things for his vines to grow up and his garden to happen. And he said, Joey, come see my garden. I wasn't ready for what he was about to show me. I thought I was just loving my neighbor. I'm preaching the gospel. We broke the guitars out. He's a lot better guitar playing than me. And so we got to spend some time. But when I saw the garden, I was like, are you kidding me? This dude was growing watermelons in Wakefield. This dude was growing peach trees in Wakefield antelopes, my favorite fruit, the best fruit on earth. He was growing them in his backyard among the regulars, tomatoes, squash, all those things. And the organization blew my mind. He had everything supported. He had things built. He showed me. I said, this is award-winning right here. This is unbelievable. I said, one day I hope when I grow up, I can be a good gardener like you. But I was amazed by this earthly gardener. And it just made me think as I was preparing for this message that God is the perfect gardener. And he doesn't make a mistake when he chooses you and me to bear fruit for his kingdom. There's no mistake there. He knows every situation to put you in, whether it's broken or whether it's whole. He knows the family you should have been born into, even if it was broken, even if it was whole. He knows the job you should be working at, even if it's tough. And you want to run out the door? Or is the best job you ever had in your life? He's using all those circumstances to cause you to produce fruit for his kingdom. And not everyone has that privilege. Not everyone knows the glories of the grace of God. Some people reject it. Some people have deaf ears. It's a secret that only the children of God know. And I want us to revel in that today. I don't want us to take for granted that we see Jesus as the one and only Holy Savior of the world. Don't take for granted that your sins are forgiven. There are people waking up today with burdens too much for them to carry, who can't deal with the guilt and the shame and can't even get out of bed, and who are suicidal, and we have the forgiveness of Christ running through our veins. Feel that today and let your affections be stirred for God. There's a few things I want us to pull out of today. I want us to rejoice in the fact that we get to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. This parable of the sower also helps us to understand what's beneath the surface of how different people respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you ever ask yourself that question? Why am I so excited about the gospel? Why am I giving my life for the gospel? Why am I serving the gospel and someone else could hear that? And it's just like, dude, I'm golfing. Why? Why do some people not even believe? Why do some people turn away? Why do some people not respond with the same joy and the same commitment that some of us have had the grace to respond by? Jesus is getting below the surface today, and it's going to answer a lot of questions for us. <clears throat> also, like I said, this scripture calls us to examine how we're hearing the gospel. Because you ever talk to your kids for parents? and you tell them something, but they don't hear you? I mean, they audibly hear you. They hear you, and they're there just like, all right, all right. You're like, don't eat ice cream. Don't eat a banana split on the couch. That's against the rules. And they say, okay, dada, all right. You go away, you come back, and they're eating a banana split on the couch. What are your first thing you say? Didn't you hear me? Didn't I just tell you that? Some of us, The gospel is being proclaimed. You've been in church every Sunday. Your parents have told you. Your grandparents have told you. Your friends have told you. And you've just been like, I heard it, but I didn't hear it. Let today be the day you hear the gospel. Amen? Let today be the day that all changes. So let's read Matthew 4, 1 through 20. It says again, he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat ended on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured it. And other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and yielded it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And in verse 10, and when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. And hear this. And I'm going to expound on this later on in the sermon. This is the purpose of parables. Very deep. It will provoke you to deep theological thoughts on understanding what they call your soteriology. Or your understanding of salvation. He said, This is the reason I speak in parables. They may indeed see but not perceive, may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who when they hear, the word is immediately received it, they receive it with joy, and then they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And the others are the ones sown among thorns. There are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter into choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold and a hundredfold. So in order to understand this parable, we have to understand the times when Jesus was preaching this parable. He had just been accused of doing all his workings, all his miracles, all his healings by the power of Satan. This is right after they accused him in the text on the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Now, it should encourage preachers, pastors, everyone who's sharing the gospel, that Jesus got rejected more than people accepted the word he preached. Like, if you look at this, and John Piper makes a great point at this, the power of the sower, Jesus was batting 25%, right? Or 250, if you would. But to him, that was tremendously successful. Because you can't measure success by whether someone accepts Jesus or not. You measure success by whether you're preaching the gospel or not. Because God is both glorified when people repent and put their faith in Jesus, become they become vessels of grace. And God is glorified in his judgment when people reject him and receive the wrath of God. Do you guys hear that? God will be rejoiced in as just, meaning everyone who rejected him, him, everyone who sinned without finding forgiveness in his work, he will be glorified as a just God when he brings judgment. So even when you're preaching the gospel, don't measure success because you'll be a mess (laughs) by how someone responds. Measure it by how you shared it with boldness and courage and love because it's God's job. To save souls. And it's people's job to respond in faith. All we can do is preach it. Because Jesus would have been a very discouraged preacher if he saw and just... Imagine, if I was Jesus, I would have resigned. Seriously. Like, really. Like, listen, I'm sinful and I preach and I still get discouraged. Imagine being sinless. I feel like you, have, you can get discouraged if you're sinless and people aren't listening. Like, not only is he sinless, he's taking care of all the weak and all the poor and healing people and raising them from the dead and the blind are seeing, the deaf are hearing. Lepers are totally healed. Demons are cast out. And people are still rejecting the message he's preaching. So I want you to see that the disciples are starting to ask, hold on, when we heard the gospel, we left everything and we followed you. And they would end up, many of them, following Jesus to being martyred themselves. But they're seeing the responses of other people. And what are other people doing? They're accusing Jesus of doing his works of Satan. Some people are indifferent. Some people are enraged. And some people are still working through who Jesus is. So when this parable of the sower comes in, it's helping them work through the fact that why they've been waiting for this Messiah for so long. The Jewish people, the chosen people of God, were waiting for this Messiah. You would think that when that Messiah arrived, people would be overjoyed. You wouldn't think they'd want to crucify him and accuse him of doing his works because of Satan. This parable gives clarity to what's going on below the surface when it came to, pe- came to people's response to Jesus. This is so helpful to me. I'm sure many of you, you know, growing up in youth group, <coughs> whoa. I remember being in youth group <coughs> that might hot for coughs. I saw so many of my friends, my brothers and sisters. I don't know if I can say in Christ, and you understand when I tell a story. It seemed as though we were all sitting under the same gospel. We all were singing the same songs. We all grew up with the same influences in our life when it came to following Jesus. And some seemed to believe and know God. Like if you asked me, I would say absolutely. Some seemed to be on that path and we all were hearing the same messages with our same ears. But as the years went by, I was blown away to see that probably 80 to 85% of the youth group is not following Jesus right now. So that told me that the root of the gospel did not, that the gospel didn't take root in many of those hearts. Like many of those hearts, they heard but they didn't hear. They heard and maybe, it's hard to follow Jesus. Can I get an amen? Waking up and denying yourself every day. Are you kidding me? In a self-loving culture that says love yourself. Do everything for yourself. If it pleases you, do it. If it hurts you, don't. Don't you dare sacrifice or serve someone else. Have the upper hand. Jesus says get every day and take up your cross. It's like, man, here we go again. I got to die to myself. It gets tough out there. And so, for many people, they got to the tribals, and the tribulation, and the rejection, and the persecution, and they fell away because the gospel didn't take root. For many, the sinful pleasures of this world would just seem to, they cherished them too much over Jesus. And I don't want to jump too far ahead, but what I want to make in this point is, it helps us get below the surface when you ask the question, what is going on? My friends with my family have heard the same gospel. Why have they responded differently? Jesus has given this whole message on the beach. The crowds are so big that he has to jump in the boat <laughs> to preach to these crowds. And you've got to love Jesus. He just gets accused of doing his works by the work of Satan, which he came to defeat. And he gives a garden story. How many people respond like that? Someone says something mean about you. Let's talk about a garden that's our love and Savior. All right, so let's break down the parable of the sower here and what Jesus said. He says first, some seed was sown on the path, and the birds came to devour it. Then he says, some seed was sown on rocky ground and was scorched by the sun because it did not find root. Some seed fell among the thorns and it was choked out by the thorn. Some, yeah, it was choked out by the thorns. He finishes with saying, some seed fell on good so- soil, took root and produce fruit or grain. <clears throat> Jesus preaches this, and take note of this as you learn to understand your Savior and the nature of God. You know how preachers, I know of myself working and maturing, you always want to overexplain what you said during the message so no one gets offended? Jesus had none of that in him. He had none of that in him. He would preach the message A lot of times people would just walk off. People would be confused. People would have to work through things. Even his disciples had questions like, what did that mean? And Jesus said, you're going to work that out in your heart. And us, anyone who's preaching the gospel, we have to learn that. You know, we want people to like us so much. We're like, I hope he didn't offend you. But you know what? Sometimes we need to be offended so that God might work greater things in our heart. And he might till the soil of our soul. But when they go back and it's just him and his disciples, the disciples ask, what did that mean? Help us understand. We're following you. We don't fully understand what the parable of the soul meant. And hear this, because Jesus exposes what it means, and he talks very clear. (laughs) He says, that seed that was sowed along the path, and when the word is sown, Satan immediately comes away and takes the word that is sown. This, to me, is mysterious and alarming part. You see the battle against God and Satan here. That Satan actually steals the seed that was sown. And um, when I was trying to think of who may, maybe they exemplified that in this story, in these times, you would have to say, I think the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the pastors of the day. Who, when they heard the same gospel that the disciples who gave their life for Jesus heard, they said... He's doing his work because of Satan. There was no belief. With the Pharisees, there wasn't, oh, maybe I should believe. They had no belief. They saw Jesus and said, he's he's heretical. He's an abomination. He's blasphemous. So right away, you see that work that was sown on the path. You can look at the Pharisees' heart. And I hope many repented. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But that was that pathway where right away, the bird took it away. Satan took it away. And they didn't even believe. You know, some people share the gospel... They, won't, they don't even, it's nothing to them. Some people, it's foolishness. Well, if that helps you, all right. People say that all the time. Well, if that works for you, that's good. They think you just you got to make up some sort of fairy tale. Like, I got to make a fairy tale. Life's going to be too hard. You know? That's the last thing, at least. I know many of us. That's the last thing you want to do. You don't make up a pretend God, give your life for him, sacrifice for him, just so you can feel better. You lay down your life because he, there is only one God. And the Holy Spirit has made that alive in us. So some people, when it's sown on the pathway, they just immediately don't believe. Then you have the seed that's sown on rocky ground. It's those and help when you think of maybe friends or family or maybe even yourself. We need to analyze our hearts. We hear that gospel first, and it's so exciting. Like, what do you mean? There's a God that forgives? What do you mean there's a church community that's going to love me? This is awesome. There's purpose, this and that. But it says that the seed doesn't take root. And you can tell the seed doesn't take root because when the trials, the tribulations, and the persecution comes, people fall away. And what I want to break down here is I would say, from my understanding of Scripture, that they never truly were saved. If you're looking from a salvific point, it never took root. Look at that word. If someone looks like they've fallen away, I would say that it never really took root in their heart. I know some of us have different theological persuasions on that. But just from my vantage point, just because of that word root, it says he never took root in them. And you see the evidence of that because they fell away when persecution came. Then you have the next one. He said the seed falls among the thorns. And he gives perfectly for us to understand this. Those are the people, and think of people because the word people is used. Those are the people... When they, they hear the word, maybe even not believe or accept it, but when the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the pride and possessions, when all those things, when they run into all those things, it's choked out. It is choked out. And I want to give you a good example for this. I was doing a Bible study with a bunch of men, and you know at Restoration Road, we don't go to church places, we go to unchurched places, because if you're going to plant a church, don't just be switching people around, because we're not changing New England, you know, go to the broken places, go where people say, what are you talking about, and so I'm preaching with these men, who maybe had attended Catholic church on Easter, once in the last decade, And they were so happy as I talked about the gospel. And they were like, this is awesome. I was talking about imputed righteousness. You know that we get God's righteousness. He takes our filth. They were fired up. I'm telling you, it's outside. The sun was shining. People were fired up. But then we got to the passage that you had to forsake sexual immorality. Woo! Some people just got like, oh, shoot. Everyone's. When I say everyone's, their look changed on their face. The Bible study ended, and there was 12 dudes lined up to talk to me. Like, what do you mean, dude? What are you trying to say to me? And I was like, people act like, (laughs) when you're a pastor, people act like you're coming up with this stuff at home and just bring it out. Like, let me tell you something. Like, I'm, dude, I'm a Christian pastor. I gotta squeeze the scriptures. I can't switch this up for you. It's my job just to say what Jesus said. But I shared that story before with you, but I want you to hear this now. From what I know, and I can't judge any man's soul, but just from my viewpoint, because I remember all those faces standing there, not one of them is following Jesus right now. Because that was too much of a treasure to them. They said, I can't give that up. And so their faith was choked because when you treasure anything above Jesus, you will not endure. And Jesus is teaching that us below the surface. And finally, he gets this beautiful, beautiful part that I want us to revel in today. He said, but some, hear the happiness in this, hear the joy in this, hear the celebration in this, hear you and me and we in this. Some seed falls on Good soil, and it produces 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. How awesome is it that we get to produce fruit for Jesus? We know how broken we are. We know how undeserving we are, that he would gift us, that we could proclaim his gospel, serve his church, love his people, and even love our enemy. What a privilege. You know, I heard this pastor preach, and the dude just kept saying, Things we wouldn't categorize as a privilege. He kept saying, what a privilege. I kept saying, this dude. He was like, I got to visit a guy that just got incarcerated. What a privilege. Then he said, oh, this guy fell back into addiction. He was in a detox and I got to visit him. What a privilege. Oh, this person was dying. They were sick. I got to visit him and share the gospel. What a privilege that I got to be there. What a privilege. I want us to look at our lives like that. What a privilege that we can get up every day and take up our cross and follow him. What sacrifice is that really? That everything you do has an eternal reward. That when you do good, your father smiles from heaven. That you are bringing glory to God. Every time you share the gospel, love your enemy, or do good. It feels good to do good. Amen? Amen? I heard a guy, and I want us to think simple things because everyone thinks when you're doing good, you've got to be like on a mountain and 7,000 people listening to you and following you on Twitter. I want us to think of the simple everyday life things that it feels to do good when your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing. When you're honoring the people in your life and loving your family and loving your friends and doing these things. One guy was sharing me this past week. Um, he's a bus driver. And... Um, he was saying he was dropping 30 to 50 people off, driving different spots. And he keeps a cooler in the back of his bus, all nice, ice-cold waters. And one of the guys on his bus lost his wallet. He lost his wallet. And so he got out, at they dropped him at like a shopping mall, and they were all excited to go buy stuff. And what happened was the guy lost his wallet, so he couldn't buy anything. He couldn't buy a drink to drink, and it was so hot out. He said, you know what I did, Joey? And he said, it felt so good. And I'm preaching the gospel to this guy, so he's still growing in faith. He said, I went to, I said, you, come here. He walked to the back of the truck. And it's, this is so simple, but this is the stuff that God sees. This is the stuff that God sees. He said, I gave him a water. He was so happy. And he looked at me and he said, Joey, it felt so good to do something for my brother, for my neighbor. Let's be that kind of people where it feels so good that God is tilling the soil of our soul and everything we do when we wake up. He said, what a privilege that I get to produce fruit for the kingdom of God. And i got to take a moment to thank Beach Road because the smiles on everyone's faces as you served at that tournament yesterday, the baskets you got for the bananas and apples, just the attention, the details, and the care, everyone who left there said, we couldn't have done this without them. We couldn't have done this. I hope it felt good because you changed people's lives. People who heard the gospel, people who were struggling with addiction, heard someone someone tell a story where, by God's grace, for two years, they've been clean, they've been sober, and they've been following Jesus. That's the stuff that changes the world. Little by little, one act at a time. One person you love at a time. One testimony. That's how you change the world. When the body of Christ gets a hold of that across the world, the world will be changed and people will come to know Jesus and experience the grace of God. In my final point, I want us to examine, not in depth, but I just want you to start thinking about this. Because this is heavy. If you noticed this heavy part of this parable, at Restoration Road, We want to be enamored with God's grace. We understand there's a tension between God choosing us and us responding in faith. But we always want to land with God's grace way ahead in first and our faith in second. And this next part really helps you understand God's grace towards you and me as the forgiven. So the disciples ask him about the purpose of parables. Parables. And I want you guys to really think about what you've thought the purpose of parables are. Are they just, many of you know Jesus, so, oh, that makes sense. I get it. Oh, I hear it. Because you have ears to hear. Many people don't have ears to hear. Jesus says this, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. So listen to this and examine this as you think through your theology So that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. I'm going to let that sit. But there's a few things I want us to take out of this. What's the best secret you ever heard recently that no one could know about, but you were so overjoyed you had that secret? I'll tell you mine, and I got an okay for it. It was the last night of our leadership track. For those of you who don't know, Alex and Lydia, I got the okay from Lydia. I hope she told you, Alex, but I did get the okay. It took longer and there was a struggle for Lydia to get pregnant. When that happens, only a few people know it, know about it. You're praying, you're empathizing. We love Alex and Lydia, so we're thinking about any struggle. If they were going, they were definitely going through a struggle, but just thinking about, you know, I know from Lydia, am I going to become a mom? You know, is this going to happen? So you're feeling that because you love your brothers and sisters in Christ. You're praying for that, and it took a little bit of time. So Alex, on the last night, looks at me. He said, I got some news. I said, here we go. He said, Lydia's pregnant. I can't tell you how happy I was to hear that news. I knew I couldn't tweet it. But I was so happy because I was, then my brother and sister. I love them dearly. And I said, this is so awesome. God is faithful. He hears our prayers. I was so overjoyed. But then he followed with this. You can't tell anyone. I said, here we go. Here we go. I got to keep this joyous secret to myself. And as I walked around, I'm thinking, I wish they knew. I wish they knew, man. This is so awesome. God is so faithful. When I congratulated Alex and Lydia, I saw the joy in their eyes. I was like, this is awesome. And Lydia milked the revelation (laughs) for like, I think they went four months. I don't know. I know it was like three and a half. The cat, the dog, everyone, the whole family was in it when they revealed it. But some might say, That would be great news for everybody, right? It wouldn't. If I went to the July 4th parade in Wakefield, they put me up there with the sister singing Star Spangled Banner, and I said, give me that mic. And I said, Lydia is pregnant up in here. (laughs) People would have been like, what? Who cares, man? I don't know her. I don't know their struggles. That means nothing to me. It's the same with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's everything to us. But to those who don't have an ear to hear, it's nothing. I say that because I want us to know the secret we have so that joy overflows through our system. And we still proclaim the gospel because it's not our job to judge who's saved or who's not saved. That's not our job. It's our job to proclaim that message with everything we are so that all that have ears to hear will hear it and put their faith in God and produce fruit for the kingdom of God. So I want to close with these final questions for you. And think about your ears right now. I want to think about how you've been hearing the gospel. Has the truth of the gospel been stolen from you? Just like on the pathway, a bird just came, Satan just came and just took it away. Then hear it today. Today's the day of salvation. Secondly, Have the trials, persecutions, and cost of following Jesus caused the gospel not to take root in you? I encourage you to give your life for Jesus no matter how hard it is, no matter how much you suffer, no matter how much you want to give up. Don't turn away. Don't look back. Keep plowing forward and following Jesus. Number three, some of us, please hear this. If you have ears to hear this, hear this. Have the sinful pleasures of this life been more valuable to you than Jesus Christ? Have they choked out that fruit in your life? If it has, today is the day to repent and receive God's grace and treasure Jesus above all because that's the only thing worth living your life for. And to those by God's grace, through faith, have heard that gospel and God's produced that fruit. Let's rejoice today and every day for all eternity because God has been gracious to us and we are counted among the forgiven.